Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Shelf Warmers, the podcast about toys and how they impact our lives. I'm your host, Darby Harn. And I'm Sugu. <laughs> On today's show, we're diving into part two of our discussion about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So we'll be talking about the season finale. We're going to be looking ahead to Captain America 4 and a whole lot more. So as I said, I'm Darby Harn. I'm a freelance writer for websites like Screen Rant, CBR, Star Wars Newsnet. I'm also part of the Movie News Network podcast, and I'm the author of a couple of novels, including Ever the Hero and the forthcoming book, A Country of Eternal Light, which is available for pre-order now. Pre-order. Sugu, how are we doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm, uh, let's see. I... Also was a freelance writer, but for uh, another uh, oh, website uh, all about Japan. I'm currently living in Japan, so I uh, used to write about that. Uh, my day job is a little bit different. I work in a school, and mostly I collect Transformers with a with a bit of dabble in uh, some Marvel Legends and Mafex. A lot of always a lot of dabbling. We sort of dabble in everything. We dabble toys pop culture movies shows and so last week we talked about um falcon the winter soldier some of the toys hasbro hasn't revealed any of the toys more toys from the upcoming marvel legends wave yet but i think we know what they are so one of them certainly is sam wilson as captain america finally in his captain america suit which is pretty righteous so maybe we'll start there in our conversation talking about this final episode so what did you think of the suit uh okay so i will say this i'll take the controversial uh position oh i i i know the suit looks almost straight from the comic book and the most accurate yeah yeah but i don't think it translates well on screen um I, I also have thoughts about this. <laughs> yeah, especially the the. It's not. It's like the white noise, or it's like the inverse helmet, right? It doesn't protect the top of his head, but it protects the sides of it. Um, <laughs> so I. Th- this is actually sort of my thoughts too. Is uh, what would you call it? The cowl. So it's very comic book accurate, but in the in the in the translation of the practical realization of it, it's a little awkward yeah. and it's awkward because it doesn't cover the whole head. I know what they're trying to do. And then in, in the costume itself, it's actually two pieces. It's actually, you know, there's the neck piece and then there's the actual sort of goggles slash mm-hmm. uh, head piece that goes on and it doesn't look great. And you're sort of left wondering why they did that at all. Right. Yeah. You know? Like, you know, they redesigned Captain America's suit back in the first movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, they didn't, they, t- they took off his little wings and they just made it, they painted them on, right? They yeah. tampoed the, the wings instead. Um, Iron Man, instead of uh, basically organic leg muscles, it looks like armor plating. So mm-hmm. they did a lot of these costume redesigns anyway throughout the MCU. Mm-hmm. but Falcon, it's almost straight from the comic. And, you know, I appreciate that it looks so authentic to the comic book, but, man, they they did so much styling and modernizing everything else. <laughs> Why not this one? 
Yeah, it was interesting. It's like, I do appreciate the comic book accuracy. Like I said, this is one of the, if not the most comic book accurate of the costumes that the MCU has done. I mean, it's a, it's just straight off of the Sam's sort of 2015 era uh, costume as Captain America, which is a great costume and I love it. So I'm glad that they went that way. Um, but the yeah, the realization of it is uh, a little awkward and that's, that's okay. They, they change all of these costumes as they make more movies and shows. Uh, you know, Captain America's costume in particular changed basically with every single movie that he was in. Um, you'll see this with Iron Man, of course, obviously with the armors, but some of the other characters, Captain Marvel is a character whose costume has changed a little bit just in her few appearances. So I expect it to change again when we see her in Captain Marvel 2 as they sort of refine it. They did this, the same thing they did with Sam uh carol is actually if people look close if you want to freeze frame carol's actually wearing sort of a vest piece which is not that's not her sort of upper torso suit is all, not all one piece that's actually sort of a vest that goes over and it's sort of weird and it does it's not entirely uh aesthetically pleasing let's say um so they'll probably work on that um but yeah it's an interesting but i did i loved it it was a great intro um great introduction to cap um, I just want to say it looks like yeah. they might have actually leaked the Captain America toy. Oh, I'm sharing a screen news. right now. Do you see Breaking it? news on the podcast. Hold <laughs> on. But it was a great it as we were waiting for that. It was a great scene. Um, and then, you know, I th the music came up. The Captain America music came up. And then, so here we go. Here is, we've got a toy leak, it looks like, of the Sam Wilson cap. You ready? Yep. Drum roll. There he is. So look at that. It's pretty, yeah, and that's pretty good. That's right out of the show. I thought the wings were blue. You couldn't tell because the it was dark. It took place at night in the episode. Mm -hmm. um, but he does have the red and blue on the wings, which is really cool. I dig that. Um, even on the toy, the neck looks better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's something about it in the show where, yeah. Um, what are you gonna do? It's awesome. But, um, so this is super cool. I, I dig this costume a lot, actually. And it was interesting. I read a Twitter thread yesterday by Rick Remender, who is the writer uh, who introduced Cap, uh, Sam Wilson Cap, and he talked about the process for designing this costume and uh, some of the editors at Marvel initially wanted to do away with the wings. Um, as Sam became cap, they wanted to lose the wings and he's like, no, he's got to keep the wings. He's got this whole part of the whole thing. And I actually like that because there's sort of this, I know he's the Falcon, but there's sort of this sort of Eagle sort of American Eagle sort of vibe that sort of comes into it with the wings that I kind of mm -hmm. like. Um, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But so this episode, the episode six season finale wraps up the whole season. It continues to sort of Carly and the Flag Smashers attack their assault on the GRC. And then Sam, Bucky, and ultimately the U.S. agent uh, come in to um, save the day, as it were. Um, my general thoughts on it were... This was one of the few times in the MCU where my expectations were entirely met. I sort of, I, you know, usually my guesses and my speculations are 
fairly off the map. <laughs> this one, I guessed almost everything that happened. Very, yeah, you very did fair. predict almost all of it exactly right. Um, which and on one hand, it's like, yay. And then on the other hand, it's like, oh, no. Like, <laughs> you know, you don't you don't you don't actually want that. But what did you what did you think of the episode? Uh, yeah, if I could sum up my opinion very simply it just be it was a paint by numbers episode um mm-hmm. it it for me all of the payoff of the stuff that it was building to happened in between the episode like there's an episode so that was episode six right yep episode 5.5 is the crux of everything and we never got to see that <laughs> we never got it um you know like uh, we had Sam at the end of episode five. Sam is basically deciding uh, which part of this big conflict he is going to stand on. Um, Captain America as a black man. Mm-hmm. Like that is a huge concept and one worth playing with. Um sure. And his decision for what was explained at the very end of the episode was great. Um, I'm I'm with him on that. But to just start the episode with I'm Captain America and like we see none of that kind of progression or decision or or him weighing on it. He was just like, meh, I am. I'm like, well, that we missed that part. You know, we we're supposed to see more of it. I don't think there was enough of it. At least I don't think I don't think Marvel played that aspect up as much as they should have. I think episode six for me was just a um, uh, look, we haven't had a lot of action, so we're just going to give a bunch of action scenes that will carry the, the plot forward or the story forward and then just end it. And it started there and then it just basically all the way through Carly as well. Carly was so this was such a disservice to Carly's so, character as well. There is a lot there. We definitely need to talk about Carly. <laughs> um, I think myself, I, I think Sam's sort of uh, wrestling with the Captain America thing was more or less sort of resolved in episode five. I think he had committed to it. He had his conversation with Isaiah, with Sarah, with Bucky, and I feel like he had largely settled the idea that he's going to be cap and that and that, that resulted ultimately in in that sort of that the end of that episode which the is training where he, montage the training and he opens the case that which held the suit i thought like that was largely resolved that said it's there's still so much to unpack from that because we see it in his sort of wonderful speech from the end of toward the end of episode six and then as we, and we'll talk about it here and later in the pod but um going forward into captain america four um look i i liked his speech i really did about what he was saying uh, uh, to the grc folk mm-hmm. i i really did like what he was saying however yeah. in terms of story in terms of the show it felt like they slammed the brakes on the pacing of the show to give this entire exposition that could have been much better served instead of as a speech, but as more showing, not telling. 
Well, show, show, no tell. And we talked about this, I think last week is a major problem in this show uh, vis-a-vis Carly and the flag smashers. And this is a show that deals really well, actually, in sort of deep themes and sort of nuance with a lot of yeah. its characters, not with Carly. And then at the end of this episode, I feel like there's a little thing. And I saw some reaction to this, but I sort of, you know, some of the scenes were I was fairly uh, heavy handed. And you could argue Sam's speech was the thing I loved about Sam's speech was one, just how earnest it was in that mm-hmm. classic sort of Marvel way where when in the comic books, especially when I was a kid, this sort of early 80s, uh, they would tackle these big sort of serious issues and they would do it in the most heavy handed way possible. Cap's like, racism exists. <laughs> what? You know, he sort of right. and he's like, and so it was one of those speeches like, you know, racism is bad. We have to be better. That's really reductive. But you saw this in sort of, I was thinking about this a lot yesterday and sort of the, you know, Stan Lee used to have Stan's soapbox in the comics and he would sort of use the soapbox to sort of opine on things like this very famously in 1968, where he sort of dropped the mic on the haters and the racists in the crowd by saying like, you know, I'm against racism. This is why black Panther and this is why Falcon just a minute later after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the speech felt like that. It felt like it came out of that tradition of like, that sort of Marvel tradition of like, we're actually going to stop everything and like sort of have this conversation about the deep serious thing. But it also came out a genuine place where Sam, where this is who Sam is. He's the listener. He's the guy who's like, why, why are we, dude, don't tell me like the guy kept, he's like, you don't understand. And Sam was like, what are you talking about? I'm black guy. Who's Captain America. There's nothing I don't understand, dude. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I really like his speech in of itself. I like what he said. I like the content of it, but in the place of that show, in the place of that episode, it just, slammed the brakes on the pacing on the forward momentum of the show it just came to a screeching halt and it, I, I think his earnestness is more on the talent of anthony mackie yes who's outstanding absolutely outstanding in this role as generally everybody is i, I want to comment again on how great wyatt russell has been as john walker and then Aaron Kellyman as uh, Carly. And so let's talk about Carly. I think that I love this show. I love how brave and bold this show it was in tackling sort of big issues and big themes and, and sort of unflinchingly. And then, but it's imperfect. And it's imperfect because the it falls down completely on its face with Carly, the Flag Smashers, her motivation. She went from very nuanced, interesting, complicated character to a, a Saturday morning cartoon villain like that. And then in this episode, they devolved her even further to like just acting like a petulant teenager just so Falcon could say she is a misguided teenager. Like they need to to really emphasize that and remind you of it in this episode so that he could point out point it out. And her... They miss an extraordinary, uh, I'm going to put my writer hat on for a moment. They miss an extraordinary beat in the story where the, her conflict in this story is actually not with Sam. Right. It's with John Walker. 
her and John Walker have this fist fight in the middle of this episode, which ends unconvincingly, frankly, with her beating the snot out of John Walker. So just as last week or the week before, we had the, the Dora Milaje beat the snot out of John Walker and those guys, absolutely believable. John Walker with super soldier serum is going to beat the snot out of Carly because she's 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 powerful. She's strong. She's all of that stuff. He's a soldier. Let's get real. And he's pissed. Right. It's like that. That wasn't realistic at all. And then the other thing is, is that the story, they're, they're the same person. They're, they're both soldiers, but who have become perverted and bent and deformed by their causes. Mm-hmm. And they in, become in different ways, in different ways, but they're, the, they're reflections of the other. Yeah. Right. And that the story never pauses to acknowledge that even between them. And that was a gigantic whiff. Yep. Like, and, and that's it. something they absolutely should have because yeah. I mean, in, in in my view, Falcon and Winter Soldier, like the, the characters, surprisingly, aren't actually the main characters of the show. It's and, that conflict between John Walker and Carly Morgenthau. Yeah. That is what's driving the, pl- the plot forward. And Falcon needs to decide which side he wants to be on. Yeah, which system am I going to uphold? And this the the show, and I don't want to uh, I don't want to drag on the show too much because the the show is trying to do a lot of things. Its main focus is sort of on race and, and institutions, but the show wants desperately to grapple with this fallout from the blip. Mm-hmm. And even in the six episodes, it can't really get its arms around it. There are so many things because we talked about this just a little bit last week but the the america and the world of the mcu and in the mcu are different from the ones that we live in obviously should go without saying but specifically this show is trying to comment on the american moment right now in a very particular way relative to racism and things like that but this america is in some ways the impression we get because we don't know because it's not explored is almost more hyper national more fearful more traumatized than the america that we're actually living in because they've gone through this experience which is unimaginable right and so it seems from their behavior that everybody not just america everybody's like supernatural like protect our borders let's go back to the way it was but they're all doing it together like the the grc like yeah we're going to be internationally national yay and carly's like no like carly and those guys are like no we want to be actually the way it was wasn't that bad like it was awful, but it was, there was something more, there was, it was more peaceful. It's more community mm-hmm. and we, they just never developed Carly. And then, so consequently they don't really develop that, that the whole thing with the blip. So we got some great bits of it, some great insights, but not, not See, enough. And that's the thing, right? Like in the beginning, I was actually kind of on Carly's side. I was like, hey, you know what? One world, one people open borders um you know working together as a community like a global community like those are all things a progressive strives for right and so it would be interesting to see it subverted um but then just gradually the show just devolves her over over time um this is the only language they understand. Who? Who's the Who they you? that you're killing? 
and who are you talking about and why? And it goes back to show, don't tell. So Sugan and I have talked about before. So, you know, we're both writers and we've, we've come out of writing programs. We went to college, Trinity College together, um, studying creative writing. And the first, maybe the first, would you say, rule in writing is show, don't tell? Yeah. And it's repeated it. so much, people don't remember what it actually means. True. Fair enough. But the they, this show in the MCU generally does a great job of that. With Carly, we don't. We just don't get it at all. We don't actually see what we actually needed. All we needed was one scene of maybe a flashback of during the blip, and they're living and they're working, and it's just their lives, and it's it's tough, but it's relatively idyllic, in the in the sense that you know she's happy and mm. she's she feels like part of community, and then everybody comes back, and someone comes into a house, and they're like, "This is my house. Get the hell out of my house." Right. Car- Car- Carly's traumatized by this because like she's not doing anything wrong she's just trying to live her life she's thrown out of her home they're put into camps they're moved around no you have to get out of this country right now we don't see any of it we don't see them brutalized we don't see them mistreated we don't see them dragged around we don't see them hungry yeah. cold we don't that is a huge mistake and if anything Carly they could have gone more nuanced with Carly. They could have gone, they could have made her more of a, just a straight up villain where she's like, it was better when there were less of you. Right. And she could have just been like, I am just going to maybe dial back things a little bit to when there were less of us. Like I would have bought that too, though, you know, but she just, she just went from very, you know, I want to live together in the sort of Roddenberry Star Trek sort of idyllic one world to I'm going to straight up murder dudes. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like, they wanted to humanize her so that the audience could get involved in the story, but they wanted to make sure that you still recognize that she's the villain, which uh, it's a a bold move. I don't think they pulled it off. They absolutely Um, did not pull it off. Yeah. You know, one thing, too, I remember when Thanos was on his whole Infinity War and the world is too populated and even half should be just gone. There were people online either jokingly or seriously in quotes was saying that Thanos never did anything wrong. The world is overpopulated. Like they were making these garbage arguments about it, but they were sympathetic to Thanos. I'm like, really? It was That's very real the... thing. It was people were serious about this. I, I wrote a whole essay about this back during Infinity War. So this was a couple of years ago um, about how it, no people, it, the, the, the people who identified, <laughs> the people who identified with Thanos, who thought Thanos was the good guy are people that maybe need to take a, a look in the mirror. I mean, it's like, you know, Thanos was a fascist and, you know, I think, uh, there's i won't get into all of it here but the you know his his thanos motivations were never about this you know the world needs to be or the universe needs to be healthier it was never about that mm. it, it it was just blind anger it was that's all it was it's like i'm right and you're wrong yeah. and you see you saw that in both movies infinity war and Endgame. it wasn't about i'm trying to help people because if it was he would have realized the alternate version of him that we meet in Endgame would have realized the horrific consequences of what the other version had done. He doesn't. He just becomes more convinced of his fascism. So then You'll notice he gets really angry when he was challenged on it. 
Yeah, like, cla- like classic really... dude, bro. He's right? like, you challenge him. He's like, now I'm just going to actually destroy the entire universe. Right. <laughs> that was why he he was able to break the shield. Because he just repeatedly yes. over and over out of anger kept anger. attacking it. Yeah. Just it, severe anger. And it wasn't, it was never, it was never about this bullshit philosophy that he embodied. It was just about hurting people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he's a product of a system that he ostensibly is trying to destroy. Um, and, you know, uh, there's nothing redeemable or interesting about Thanos, except for the, the, as a villain, he's very compelling because he's one of the more successful villains in, in, the, in the Marvel universe. He's, you know, he's the vil- the great villains are interesting magneto thanos because they have a point of view right killmonger. that doesn't killmonger that doesn't mean that they're right it, it just means that they're interesting right and so when people are like oh well thanos has a point it's like no he doesn't <laughs> no. and also i just want to point out i point this out every time i ever find myself in a conversation about thanos and infinity war yeah half of the people on earth alone because that's all we're going to talk about we're not going to talk about every other planet whatever half of the people on earth were not the only ones that died some people who blipped out were pilots and their plane crashed some people were working as traffic controllers and those cars crashed some people were like ambulance drivers and those people died like you can't just say well, it's an even half because you you blipped out people whose very lives are in the middle of or in the process of keeping other people alive. The collateral damage is something, one of the things with the snap and the blip that the MCU hasn't investigated for reasons that are obvious. It's, it, it's this huge thing that they're just now a couple of years later starting to explore in these series, which I do appreciate and mm-hmm. I would love more of it. But like you said, it's it, there. There are so many consequences to all of it, and the airplanes, the cars, the brain surgeons who are in the middle of an operation. It's unimaginable the you know the the impact, and and you'd have a big justification for for why Carly and them probably feel betrayed is because the infrastructure of the world that they live in collapsed, right? The the lights probably didn't stay on. And so they moved to places where there were people and there was infrastructure, or at least they had an opportunity to contribute to rebuilding it. And then they're told five years later, and at five years, your practical reality has changed enough that this is just your life now. Yeah, right? I was going to say, I mean, think about it. This year right now is 2021. Yeah. Five years ago, Trump was just elected to president. Mm. How much has our world changed in just that time? Yeah, I mean, you think of any sort of, um, you know, huge event in history, whatever it is, pick one. And then you look five years beyond that. And you're like, well, what's five years? It's a lot. Your life fundamentally changes mm-hmm. um, in, in an event. You know, the Black Death, I think, is probably in the thir- in 1346 and seven. It's probably analogous to uh, analogous to <laughs> it's too early to talk. Uh, to the the snap where r- roughly half of all people in Europe died, um, maybe more. We don't know for sure. Um, five years later, 1352, 1353, it, it, the Europe was so far in the shadow of this. The way that the, the you know life had fundamentally changed, it's hard to imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like and so in the blip, 
for Carly and those folks who were living in the, as they got to year five, it was just how it was. And they had found a new, they'd settled, they'd stabilized. We see that in Endgame. Yeah. Um, there, there was some stabilization and, um, and then people come back and people, that's great. Thank God people have come back and, and some sort of order is restored, but it, it was disruptive and mm-hmm. in ways that are incalculable. And the big failure with Carly, the great opportunity with Carly was to take advantage of this and explore this. The great failure of the show, Falcon and Winter Soldier, they they didn't get there. They didn't they, hit it. They needed her to be the, and, and I'll say this, they needed her to be the temporary villain before they revealed sure. the big bad. Yeah, and, and in that way, and I'm, I'm fine. I, I would have been perfectly fine with Carly descending into villainy. When, you know, but that's exactly where they missed the opportunity, right? Is yeah, her descent into villainy would have been fine because her being a temporary villain until we reveal the big bad is that would have been fine, but they mm-hmm. didn't. They made her the main villain until oh, we don't need her anymore. Yeah, so another writing thing, uh, not only did they miss, I feel, an opportunity with John Walker, they missed an opportunity to reflect her with the power broker. So the other big reveal of this episode is, which was shocking, I think, to no one, is that Sharon Carter is the power broker. Now, some people are upset about this. I was very, I was actually a little bit surprised by some reaction yesterday that people like, how dare they do Sharon like this? This is actually really interesting because Sharon, love Sharon, not that interesting. She's never been interesting in the comics yeah. or the, or the MCU. This makes her interesting to me. Um, so, and it just for folks at home or, you know, some people out there are like, well, she does not actually sharing. This is a scroll. It's, she's not going to be a scroll. <laughs> that would just be completely pointless, but yeah, that knows? would just demean everything it, it would. that they're it trying would. to, to, they're trying to say. It would. It would be a, a horrible cop out. I know, like that's a comic book thing to do. Like, oh, she was a scroll. I, I don't feel like it, but we'll see. We got this going to play out for the next couple of years. But, um, as I was saying with Carly, they had an opportunity to reveal that Carly was in league with the Carly was in league, sort of with the power broker. This ultimately gets complicated in the show, but it would have been beneficial, I think, for Carly to realize that she was ultimately just another lever in an institution. Mm-hmm. she she's a she thinks she's a revolutionary she thinks she's trying to overthrow the system she's actually a product of the system yeah and that doesn't happen we get this very very exposition heavy scene where carly and, and sharon tell each other things they already know <laughs> oh can, can i interrupt real quickly real yeah. quickly and just tell you one of the things i hated about this episode and it was mirrored in one of the things I hated about uh, one of the one of the recent Star Wars movies. I forget which one. Maybe the third one. Um, it was when the stormtroopers launched themselves in the air. Do you remember that moment? Are you talking about the most recent one? I think so. Okay, Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. So the stormtroopers. Oh, the jetpack. Yeah. Yeah. They have jetpacks now. Well, so there's nothing wrong with stormtroopers suddenly having jetpacks. Yeah. I mean, uh, for for the purpose of my point, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But the way that it played out is first we saw it happen. The stormtroopers got jetpacks and they started flying. Then someone said 
the stormtroopers can fly now. Then someone else said the stormtroopers can fly now. Like they repeated the same thing three or four times in a different tone, but it was always the same bit of information just in case you missed it the first time around. So here in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we already had um, this inkling that she was a power broker. Fine. Mm. Then when basically it was revealed that she is a power broker. Okay, fine. Then Carly goes, well, and you're the power broker. Okay. (laughs) Then the French dude, Batrock, goes, oh, and you're the power broker. Like, why are you telling us so many times? You're wasting all of this line of dialogue to just reiterate over and over and over that, yes, in fact, the big twist is that Sharon is the power broker. It was a curiously written scene because it was awkward. It was awkward. And I feel like what they were trying to do was sort of be low key about it. It's very low key reveal in the sense. It wasn't like a big mask pulling thing. Although Sharon does pull a mask off her face in the beginning of the episode. Um, but, uh, no, but if Batrock comes in and he's like, oh, you're the power broker now, now this is a fatal misplay by my man, George, like, dude, you, she's the power broker. She's the most, I we think the mo- one of the most powerful figures in the criminal underworld in the world. And you're going to try to blackmail her. No, <laughs> no. What you do is you cozy up to her, right? You get in good with her. You're like, you want me to kill this chick here? Like, what are you doing, dude? That's this rookie mistake, and he deserved what happened to him. Although I, I do, I do like Batrack. Uh, I I wish he didn't. I I wish he didn't make an appearance only in the very beginning of the the show and the very end of the show. Yeah, I. This is one of those classic MCU things where you're you're left a little bit frustrated because it's not complete. So we're going somewhere with Sharon into the future, right? We don't have all of it. We don't know all of the past. I would love to know more about Sharon's. She's another product of the blip where Sharon did not get snapped. Mm -hmm. She spent the seven years for her living on the run. She's a completely different person. People are like, well, Sharon can't be like this. Well, we had... we don't know what all happened to Sharon and, and Sharon got very comfortable in Madripoor. She got very, uh, she got very up into some stuff. It's <laughs> not very legal. Um, it's okay. You know, it's not okay. She's a villain, but she's, it, I, I would, I like this development for her, hmm. but it's that scene was reflective of the problems with Carly, um, the flag smashers in general, um, we get sort of a, a little bit of a resolution with Zemo. Zemo is now in, in the uh, raft. He's back in a prison cell, but he even he gets the coup de gras on the Flag Smashers. I am but... really surprised that the Dora Milaje actually took him to the raft. I was too of taking him to Wakanda, but okay. I, you know, I I had this conversation on uh, Movie News Network, my other podcast, where I was I was surprised by that because I I thought they'd just be like, well, we're just gonna you know drop you in some pit in Wakanda. We have jurisdiction everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, but but this puts them in the raft. This puts them in the same club with a bunch of other supervillains, and I think they're still on their trajectory with uh, Zemo to sort of create the masters of evil. It's kind of where they're going with him. So the next time we, we'll see him, which I hopefully is soon, because I love Daniel Brühl. Uh, I love Zemo. Um, I imagine he'll be, we'll see him in company with some of the people uh, that he hangs out with in the comics. But 
Um, but then, you know, the, the very long sort of tale in this episode, we get a lot of successive scenes. What do you think? So we got this speech with Sam. It's very cool. His sort of public coming out as Captain America. We get some reaction from people. There was a that, that one scene where the two guys are like, hey, it's Black Falcon. He said, no, that's Captain America. We get some of that. Um, what do you think of all that? So I already told you that I think his speech, while I liked it in general, I think it was misplaced or mishandled yeah. uh, just because it was way too much exposition and it slammed the brakes on the, the, the pacing of the story. However, the Isaiah Bradley part I thought was phenomenal. This was outstanding. This might have might have been my favorite part of the episode. Yeah. I at first I have to say how great is Carl Lumbly is Isaiah Bradley is this great understated performance, but he's always brimming with emotion. And then we get that great scene where they go to the Smithsonian and uh, into the exhibit on Cap, which is we're very familiar with um, because we've seen it actually a number of times. Mm-hmm in the MCU, but we'd never seen this part of it because it's brand new, which is this addition of Isaiah Bradley and his contribution to the history of Captain America, which it was, it was great. And it was a great scene for the characters. It was very well played. I thought uh, it was good for Isaiah, uh, who I don't know if we'll see again in the MCU. We will, I feel like we will see his uh, grandson. Mm-hmm. Um, who in the comic books at least becomes the Patriot. He's a young Avenger. Uh, I have a feeling we'll see him, but yeah. And, you know, and I did really like that part where um, Sam told Isaiah that basically like, look, if I don't become Captain America, I'm stepping on all of the people who fought for the ideal. And that includes you. And one of the reasons that stuck with me, one of the reasons I really like that is because, you know, you, you look at modern America and you look at people who are actively choosing, for example, not to vote because they feel their, their voice doesn't matter. Like, but so many people fought tooth and nail to make sure you had a voice. And a lot of them died. Yeah or and and were tortured yeah. right like for you not to exercise your voice is to to just turn a blind eye to that legacy that whether you like it or not it's there we've talked about this uh in regards to lord of the rings and the idea of the long defeat and and the sort of that you know uh picking up the fight Mm-hmm. I feel like the the sort of the 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 sort of the basic theme behind what Frodo goes through in picking up the ring is similar to what Sam does in picking up the shield. Two entirely different experiences, but they're both choosing to pick up something a burden mm-hmm. that they both maybe don't feel adequate for, and they don't, you know, they they don't they don't want to because it's hard and it's difficult, <laughs> and and as the person who's not voting, they don't want to because they don't feel like there's any point. They feel like that the the burden. They can't meet the burden, but as you say, and as, as Sam realizes and Frodo realizes, one, there's no one else, and then two, you have to because you have to honor the legacy of the fight that came before you because it's about the fight, 
it's not about that somebody lost or it was incomplete or there was a reversal like we won then but now this is happening again you know it's not about as sam says in this episode it's not about the fact that people are going to dislike him being cap and he's going to deal with the inherent racism and prejudice of that um he is going to deal with it. It is going to happen. And no, there are going to be people who never accept him. There are going to be fans. Uh, there were fans in the comics who never accepted Sam as Captain America. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are people in the MCU that um, were probably pretty upset yesterday. Um, they've probably been upset for a minute. I know they were from personal experience uh, going back to Endgame. Yeah. Um, but, and they can be upset. That's fine. But they're going to be upset for a good solid 10 years unfortunately for them i'll say that's how long sam will be capped before it, contracts and things get weird right uh for the mcu but um and we'll see what happens after that but um the but it's your point it's it's about i appreciated that too it's about picking it up it's about honoring what happened before and isaiah was angry and traumatized and justifiably so but um as, as Sam said, it's it it, it 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 wasn't honoring his sacrifice and his his pain uh, to do nothing. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I, I I enjoyed all that because that's the thing, right? Isaiah he can he gets to be angry about what yes. happened to him. Yes, he does. Right, like that's fine, but it's all the more reason for Sam to step up and fight against it and make sure that uh, one Isaiah gets the proper recognition uh and two tries to undo that kind of damage and make sure it doesn't continue forward which is acknowledging the past that's the biggest thing is you have to so we talked a lot about picking things up and going forward and moving into the future it's also about acknowledging the past which is what happens with isaiah it's recognition that isaiah existed this painful traumatic part of the captain america story existed um you know and and the realization that captain america is not just the story of steve rogers it's actually the story of several men now Mm -hmm. it's the story of isaiah it's a story of john walker and it's the story of sam wilson and it will be the story of other men and probably women going forward into the future um it has been in the comic books there have been uh, there's actually a lot of versions of captain america in the comic (laughs) book some of whom have been women uh, there's a version of there's a Peggy Carter version of Captain America in one of the alternate universes. Um, so and Jane Foster became Thor, right? She did. And we're actually going to see her in the MCU here very shortly. And I have a feeling that, um, you know, a future Avengers movie will involve Jane Foster and Sam Wilson. So um, I I. I, I I I like that stuff. I'm not bo- I've never been bothered by, you know, this person is Cap now or this person is Thor or this person or actually this entire planet full of people are Spider-Man because it feels like there are all these versions of Spider-Man now. So this is the thing, right? We've talked about this before. There's nothing wrong with uh, a reboot necessarily or a reskinning or a restyling of the character as long as it still makes sense for the character yeah right like you can't have a spider-man who doesn't battle with this idea of how much power does he have and how much responsibility does he have like that that doesn't fly you can you can absolutely rephrase it 
that's fine. You can kind of like reinvent that concept, but that concept still has to go through. It doesn't work otherwise. Yeah, the legacy of these characters, and there's a lot here in sort of the philosophy of comic books, if I can put it that way. Comic books are as serial as the MCU is, and they're all about perpetuating the status quo because they've gone on in, in, the, in the case of Captain America, they've gone on since 1941. That's 80 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's about trying to maintain that status quo of who Captain America is. Cause you have to, it's a monthly comic book and you have to have adventures and you have to sell comic books and make movies and lunch boxes and toys. And just like sitcoms, you need to always make sure that you're reset at the, at the end. You have to reset at the end. So you have this thing in Marvel in particular where you, you have you you introduce a problem which changes the status quo, but then you actually end on the status quo being reset. Well, what's the reset at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier? The reset is you it's now Captain America again. So Sam is Captain America, but Sam won't be Captain America forever, right? Just as he wasn't in the comic books. He he'll he'll be replaced at some point down the road by someone else. And whether that's Steve Rogers, as it was in the comic books, unlikely in the MCU, just given right actors and age. And Although I heard that Chris Evans is trying to come back. So let's talk about that as we kind of transition <laughs> into the actual huge news yesterday um, that came out. So we had the finale and that was great and, and I enjoyed it. But the announcement that there's going to be a Captain America 4 movie and it's going to be written by Malcolm Spellman, who is the the showrunner, the head writer on Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or I should say Captain America and the Winter Soldier as it was renamed in the final moments. But so this is going to be, we don't know a ton about it right now, but we know that it'll, it'll be written by, by uh, Malcolm. And then also we'll focus on Sam. This is fantastic. This is actually what I was hoping for because I was sort of, I was all about getting future seasons of uh, Cap and Winter Soldier, but I was actually like, why not just make more Captain America movies, right? Yeah, the that story, Falcon and Winter Soldier, that's finished. Um, yeah. Yeah, like I, I think, that's i mean there's things you could do there's sharon there's the contessa we'll talk about the contessa here too in a sec um there's things you could do with that storyline but why not make movies so we're going to get a movie this is fantastic so what do you what do you think so are you are you excited by the the idea of a movie or do you have any hopes or expectations for it honestly i kind of want chris evans and robert downey jr robert downey jr to stay gone um I think their story in the first three phases of the MCU had a really nice arc. I think it reached a conclusion. I don't really particularly like Captain America's conclusion where he just plopped himself into whatever timeline he wants and lives out the end of his days, but it is a conclusion. Are you saying a man can't go live with Peggy Carter? I mean, what? I'm saying it messes up the family line kind of, kind of badly. I, His family tree is not break some eggs to make an omelet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, yeah. So, so there's actually there's two things. So, cat, we got Captain America four, and then we have this reporting that Chris Evans is going to come back to the MCU in some capacity. These are actually two different things. Oh, um, really? Yeah. So far as people can tell. I do think there is a story in Captain America 4 where you do see Chris Evans, but he's not going to be Captain America in this movie. That That's going to be Sam Wilson. Okay. Okay. 
but the the Chris Evans coming back to the MCU would be Chris Evans, either the Cap who you just dumped on for going back to live with Peggy, that we'll see him, we'll see him again, or we'll see an alternate version, an alternate timeline reality, Captain America, mm-hmm. um, that would that's going to play some kind of role in phase four or five or something like that i you're not going to see chris evans return to captain america full time yeah i mean i i guess i could handle it if it was uh if it was like a flashback or something like that but you know i i get that the comics are serialized and we have to reset the status quo that's all fine and good but we have reset the status quo falcon is captain america now yeah, and he will be for the foreseeable future. Like he'll he'll he will be just like Chris Evans was capped for about ten years. I imagine that Anthony Mackie will be for about the same, given where he is in his contract. I, I don't know how that works, but they all sign these ridiculously long contracts. Marvel does just to sort of cover their bases. I thought it was seven movies, seven or eight movies, something like that. I imagine they they probably renegotiated renegotiated Anthony Mackie, given now his you know he's moved up in sort of his status. So if he's going to be in the movie, you know, Anthony Mackie's probably a different deal, but I, I will probably have him as cap for, for a while. And then that will transition again. We'll get somebody else. We'll either see a rebooted version of Steve Rogers, depending on how the MCU proceeds. Mm-hmm. Cause that's a big question too. Like this thing is like, we're going to get, we're going to very quickly get into decade two. Um, and then, or will we see someone else like inherit the role? Will, are, are there grandchildren of Steve and Peggy out there that are maybe super people? I imagine there are, but I imagine that they had kids. I know they had kids and I, they, they had grandkids and, you know, you quibbled with their line, with their ancestral <laughs> line, but I imagine these people exist. Although they probably don't exist in this in the MCU timeline proper because Steve did not go back in time to the MCU timeline. He went you back know, to a different universe. One thing one thing Marvel has the ability to do right now is start planting that seed in the comics and just having a new, completely new person becoming Captain America. They could do it in the comics to establish and in 10 years when anthony mackie is is more or less done that that new character would have already been established by that by that it'd be it'd be a great bit of synergy and i wouldn't be opposed to it i i would actually i wouldn't mind if it's yeah i you know i wouldn't mind seeing a successor um and i wouldn't you know I, i don't have any designs on who that would be it could be anybody so far as i care but you know, that could be a relative or a descendant of Steve Rogers, or that could just be somebody else. Like, you know, just some, as Sam is, he's not connected to that at all. Um, the, it's the same problem in Batman. In Batman, you have Bruce Wayne, who um, it can't be Batman forever. And so he has this now entire family of successors. The who, Bat family. Yeah, who don't, with the, with the exception of Dick, um, um, have never and will never become Batman. Um, so it, it's, it, it's the status quo thing. You, you, you required as part of the story, the narrative to develop this idea because, you know, they're like, well, I can't do this forever, but then they become trapped in Amber narratively the same way that the main character is. So that's why you have now all these other Robins. Um, and that's why Sam has been Captain America actually a couple times in the comics. He goes back 
this will happen again in the future. <laughs> you know, this, someone will come up with an idea. They're like, ah, oh, with Steve Rogers, we'll just put him off to the side for a minute. So, yeah, in the MCU is interesting because the comics, you can do whatever you want. You can have your cake and eat it too. You know, you can play around. That's how you get John Walker, actually. They decided mm -hmm. they wanted to do something with different with different Captain America. And Azrael, if you want to go into DC, right? And Batman, yeah. So it was the same, actually the same exact idea. We, we, we just want to, we want to change up the status quo. We want to play around. We want to introduce sort of the evil Batman as they wanted to introduce the evil Captain America. So Or the ultra-violent version. Yeah, so... But in the MCU, you have a different layer on it, which is the contracts and, and all that stuff. So you have a little bit of a time pressure and, built in. And the actual reality of the laws of physics and time. Right. They actually get older. So, you know, you know, Chris Evans um, was going to get, you know, was going to get, a, you know, I don't know how old he is, but he, he could have played Steve Rogers for a while and been fine. Um, but, you know, eventually that sort of changes. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really excited about a Captain America four, and I am I, I do look forward to the Chris Evans coming back in some capacity. I personally don't think and wouldn't want to see the Steve. So Steve went back to Peggy. They're they, they're doing their thing. They're they're living their lives. I don't want to actually interrupt that. And, and that's what I mean, right? Narratively, yeah. his arc is done. It's done. What are you going to do? All you're going to do is actually pile some grief on top of them. Let's not do that. They're, they're fine. They're off where they are. I know people have questions. Just like, why would he just, why would he just hang out in the suburbs while all the horrible events in history happen? <laughs> because the plot it. demands it. And the it plots. <laughs> so I would rather see a different Steve Rogers. There's actually another Steve Rogers in that timeline that Steve went back to. He happens to be frozen in ice. Right. So there's oh, yeah, a, right. So there's other Steve Rogers that we can play with. And I would rather do something like that. And because when Chris Evans comes back, if he comes back, not going to be a permanent, you know, thing. So it's, it might, if he's going to come back, have some fun with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I can, I can agree with that sentiment. Like I, I'm certainly not the one in charge of those business deals. I'm just talking about the narrative of it him coming back as Steve Rogers taking the taking the shield back from Falcon I think is a huge disservice to what the show is trying to do what the show is trying to say yeah he won't um my guess is on that and we'll see where we're because this is not going to happen for a long time but when Sam eventually steps down from Captain America he, he won't be handing it back to Chris Evans or he may hand it back to Steve Rogers, but it, it, it may be a different Steve Rogers. And, um, you know, it'll be, that'll play differently. And, you know, I, people's attitudes will always be their attitudes about it. Cause the, the Stam's soapbox in 1968 was motivated by people's anger mm -hmm. over the introduction of black Panther uh, characters like that. And then just as they were angry, when Sam became cap in the comics, they're angry today because, Sam is cap in the MCU they're, and they're going to be angry 10 years from now when, when Sam hands it off to whoever, when he hands it off to Joaquin Torres or he hands it off to whoever, right? Like, you know, they're just, they're going to hate it unless it's, unless it's uh, as uh, Isaiah said, unless he, it's the great white hope, they're going to be angry. So, mm -hmm. um, and that's just how it is. And I'm not bothered by it. I don't, I love Steve Rogers. I love Captain America. 
Um, I, I don't need Cap to be Steve Rogers. I just don't. There's other, you can have the great thing about comics and the great thing about the movies now. You can have all these different versions. The same thing with Miles and Peter Parker. You can have different versions of the same character and they're both great and they both have value. And, yeah. and Gwen, Gwen also, you, you're not out anything. You know, that reminds me back when we did our Spider-Man episode. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I was talking about is I'm ready for Peter Parker to be retired as Spider-Man. He served mm-hmm. his purpose, but I'm ready for Miles Morales to be the the Spider-Man now for for this generation. Yeah, it, Peter Parker is never going anywhere. Um, like he's going to be around forever. Um, but the great thing about Miles and Gwen and spider spider ham is <laughs> you can have you can have all these different things and the, you know people can identify with the different characters in different ways and um part of the development the interesting development with with spider-man and the, these alternate versions is i think sort of the atrophy in peter parker as a character his development mm-hmm. in the comic books which needs to we and we did talk about that on our podcast yeah. that needs to change that's a huge problem with him there's been a lot of great development and growth in Captain America in his character and mythos in the last 20 years in the comics, which has led to this, the MCU, frankly, everything that's happened to Cap in the, in the MCU has been a direct result from the great work that folks like Ed Brubaker and Rick Remender did in the comic books to sort of rehabilitate a character that was in the same place Spidey is now, which was just basically narratively adrift and atrophied. Mm-hmm. And that that started with the development of the Winter Soldier, this all time great retcon of you know Bucky had actually lived and was this assassin that led to all that stuff in, in succession, Civil War, and then Sam becoming Cap. Um, so I love all that, and they need to do that with Peter. There's nothing wrong with Peter Parker as a character; he's an outstanding character, he's an iconic character, but he need he needs some love and attention yeah. in the comics. Uh, yeah, um, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like that love and attention is so much now to re resuscitate him that I kind of would prefer that attention go to Miles now. Oh, you can do both. You can yeah. definitely do both. And I think Peter's more interesting for having Miles around. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, Miles has crossed over into the main Marvel universe now. As I, I don't know if Gwen has. I think Gwen is just sort of a visitor, but Miles is definitely in the comic books. Miles yeah. is definitely a uh, inhabitant of Earth six uh, sixteen. So that's exciting. That's good. That's good for Spidey, yeah. and um, we'll see where that goes. But maybe so. Any final thoughts to you on sort of the Captain America Winter Soldier series uh... or? I mean, I got so many more thoughts, but uh, just as a real quick aside about um, uh, Spider-Man, I did actually pre-order the Mafex Spider-Gwen and uh, Spider-Ham. Both of those will come together. Um, But (laughs) I just got the email today saying that they've been delayed for a month, so I won't get them till June. Come on, guys. I know. Uh, yeah, I do no. look. I look forward I mean, to my uh, Falcon Winter Soldier figures, though. They're going to be good. <laughs> yeah, I I might. I don't know. I'm kind of toying with the idea of getting that Falcon Captain America, the one that mm-hmm. was leaked, 
yeah. and maybe do a little bit of uh, customizing to see to see if I could do it the way that would make sense to me. Yeah, I'm curious. I bet it will look the figure will look better because he, he's going to have just the way that the joint is on the ball joint in the neck uh-huh. is going to make is going to make that that neck piece the cow piece look better because okay. it's separate. I, that's my guess. We'll see when we get it in hand. <laughs> Yeah, it just it just in live, you know, in on the person on Anthony Mackie, there was just sort of this weird is the same thing that happened with Batman and Batman Begins, where they, but different. He had that cow piece that was all one rubber piece. Yeah, right. This was this was different, but it was the same thing where it just you're looking at it, it's like it, do, it doesn't look right. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't work. But I'll tell you, if we have any um, uh, toy producers actually in the audience, I'll tell mm-hmm. I'll say right now. I would love an Isaiah Bradley figure. Let's get Isaiah because there's actually there's two Isaiah figures we want. We want the comic book Isaiah uh, from uh, when he was Captain America from the actual miniseries mm-hmm. Truth, Red, White, and Black. That's a figure they've never done yep. in Marvel Legends that I have a feeling they'll probably do. Watch him announce it on Monday, and then <laughs> um, and then Carl Lumbly, uh, Marvel Legends figure of Isaiah from the MCU. Yep. That would be cool. I. I I would actually enjoy that. That's he's a figure they're probably not going to be very motivated to do. They're, you know, he's sort of not very sexy. He doesn't have a costume or anything, but I would buy him. Yeah. And also, this is going to be kind of weird conceptually, but that bronze statue. Sure. Make that a figure with like a de aged uh, Carl Lumbly, is it? Carl Lumbly, yeah. Yeah. Like him de aged when in that in that cast that'd be a good like like figure set sort of isaiah and the statue you know sort of like a be one that'd be a good like candidate for like uh, an exclusive or something yeah. you know it's not necessarily very toyetic like you know the kids are going to pick it up on the shelf and they're like i want this because like it's, a, it's an old guy with a statue but yeah. the, but you know you know fans would be like yeah i totally buy that but even if you if you make it toyetic right like if you have um carl lumbly's face from when, when he was around that age in yeah. that mold but instead of a statue as a as a figure he's just you know oh in sure the, in the yep. in the uniform but it's isaiah bradley back then you know just as a yeah i i think that would be an, an interesting toy no i i do too i that i would be up for that i think that'd be a good one and definitely the comic book isaiah that's a Marvel Legends figure that is way, way overdue. Yeah. Um, as someone, and then uh, as someone who, and I was going to have them here handy today, I picked up recently a bunch of old Cap, uh, Captain American Falcon uh, comic books from the 70s. Um, I just kind of go through and reminisce. Um, as someone who uh, loves comic books and, and has watched that, that miniseries Truth, Red, White, and Black, uh, sort of hang out in the dollar boxes for 20 years now. Like it's not a whole lot of interest to watch that book. Absolutely skyrocket in value <laughs> in the last few weeks has been really interesting because that, that nobody cared about that book at all. And now everybody, everybody can't, you can't find it. Um, one of those things, like, there's a ton of guys who are super interested in the value of comics. Me, not so much that said you had your chance guys. <laughs> I, I mean it. i'm i'm really fortunate maybe 
um, in that I read uh, those comics for the first time and even heard about those comics for the first time um, last year sometime. Mm. Basically, Amazon had run a sale on it. Mm-hmm. So I picked them up. I read them. They were they were interesting. I really liked the story, but the part that I that that prevented me from really getting into the story was it felt like an offshoot. It felt like it wasn't canon. So as well, soon it, as I saw Isaiah Bradley and the Falcon and Winter Soldier, like it became canon. This it's is so interesting. Canon. Maybe we'll talk about this for just a quick second. So. The miniseries in 2003 was actually intended as not being canon. And then it was just sort of this sort of a what if, but not really. And then about halfway through the series, issue two, issue three, the reaction to it was such that they were like, oh, this actually is canon. So you have this weird, there's a slight confusion in the timeline in the in the miniseries between is this taking place before or after Steve Rogers ultimately takes place after. Mm-hmm. But there was this question mark about it. And so, and then they ended up with this framing device, which is that Steve Rogers is, is learning the truth about Isaiah and that part of history, which he was never aware of for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he, he sort of goes back and recognize. So they, they made it canon retro almost as they were doing it because <laughs> they didn't plan it to be, but he is canon in the comics. Um, yeah. And uh, he that hasn't had a lot of history in the comics after because he he's an elderly man and is sort of not part of the ongoing narrative, but absolutely fantastic to have him in the mcu yeah Yeah. and sort of canonized that way as well so all right so that's kind of our conversation for uh, falcon winter soldier i hope everybody's enjoyed it and um looking forward to captain america 4 and looking forward to loki uh which is not until june but i'm sure we'll talk about that at some point too um that'll be nuts um so i think that'll do it for today's show and uh, starting today, actually, in our inaugural episode, we have a new contact information. It's shelfwarmers at gmail.com. Uh, so if you have any feedback, please uh, send us a line. Um, we love your feedback. We are happy to take it on board and, and uh, incorporate it into our discussions. Absolutely. We love hearing from folks. Uh, so do let us know, um, even if you hate us. I mean... I mean, not really, but let us know. Um, so give us a shout, shellformers at gmail.com. And then as always, you can find me at darbyharn.com. Also on Twitter at darbyharn. And we, we hope you join us next time for another episode of the Shellformers. Have a good one. Take care and stay safe. <laughs>